Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi-published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Right Way Podcast. Um, God, what day will this be when this episode drops? A new, it it's going to be a new a world. Trumpless, a new era. <laughs> uh, I just feel... We have to take a moment and just yes. bask in the collective exhale that so many Americans are finally taking. Feels really good. Feels really good. I mean, it, yeah. And granted, I think you got to be a humble winner, but man, it feels nice oh. to see a guy like that defeated. Well, not only that, I mean, you know, my daughter, like we watch the, the speeches and just seeing Kamala up there first african-american south asian woman and just watching my daughter watch her and looking at the possibilities and boy it's taking us taking us a long time to get here but it feels so good to be here so good i think good things are coming feels so real so do i so um yeah so i guess in light of this brand new world (laughs) um what we're we're gonna be talking about today is a little bit of same old same old um although in sort of a new light what we're talking about today is the editorial process so this is gonna this is sort of geared towards those of you out there those of you that are listening to the podcast that um maybe have you have a manuscript ready or you you've been working on a manuscript and you're almost done or you're at some stage of like in the midst of it and you're trying to figure out what to do next. And because our company, Right Way, um, offers these services in both fiction, nonfiction, and also design, um, this sort of developmental um, consulting and editorial service, we wanted to touch on the process itself, what you can expect, what you should expect, and kind of what it all means and what you get for your money. Exactly. I mean, I, I think, you know, when you're putting yourself in a writer's shoes, I mean, we're both writers. If you decide that you want to engage with someone or hire someone, it can be really overwhelming to know just where to start. Even if you Google, like, should I hire an editor or totally? it's just like, oh God, who do I trust? What do I do? Is this worth it? Do I really need it? So we think it's super important to kind of take an objective standpoint today and yes, use our expertise and experience in this in this regard, but also come at it from being writers. We're both writers yeah. and we know what it's yeah. like to have to shell out your own money in order to hire someone and, and how important that is and what that means. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about like, uh, we're going to be covering kind of the three basic questions that we sort of field as editors and have asked ourselves as writers. And Ria, I think you, you touched on something really good right off the bat. Um, the idea of like a writer sitting as computer Googling, like his or her computer being like, do I need an editor? Yep. I think, I think that's a big question. And I think people, you know, I think we often encounter uh, would be, could be, hopefully will be clients that are asking the same question. I know I've asked this myself the same question. Um, I, I know Rhea and I, you know, we talk about each other's work all the time. 
But the question is, do I need an editor? Do I need an and editor? Yeah. How do you do figure that out? How do you figure that out? I mean, <laughs> it's a pretty, that's a pretty heavy question. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, you know, a lot of people, first time writers in general. So say, let's, let's talk about fiction for a second. So yeah, if you're yeah. writing a book for the first time, most people who are writing a book for the first time aren't really going to feel comfortable hiring an editor. I mean, it's just been in my experience. It's it's something I've seen over and over again. Or maybe you think like, nah, I don't really need it. I can like give it to some people to read it and I'm fine. And then they may put it in a drawer and never visit it again. Or they do pitch it to an agent and they never get a yes. And, yeah. you know, Joe, for you, because you are such a great editor, you're our literally our editor for all of our fiction <laughs> projects at right way but how do you gauge and how can someone gauge and have that self-awareness to be like you know I probably I probably need an editor and and what that even means because that's such a broad term right which we're right. going to get yes. into as well but how do yes. you know when you need an editor well I think that's a great question and I I think that you know, we and we talk about it a lot, just in terms of like like you said, as we approach this as writers, this question as writers, you and I talk about this a lot. Like if you like asking yourself whether you need an editor, first of all, let's let's extrapolate that a little bit. An editor is someone someone else's someone's eyes outside of your own right. on your work. Do you need someone else's eyes on your work? And my answer to that is absolutely one hundred percent. Yes, you do. Like no question. Um, I would advise the right person, the right, the right person. Absolutely. But but I think first and I think first and foremost, like if you're, if you're a writer or you're really, you're trying to be on the path to publishing, if you aren't open to someone's eyes on your work, and I do think that person should be a professional, but if you're not open to someone else's eyes on your work, then you're already in trouble. Like you, this, this is a, this is a, I think a no argument situation that that you've yeah. got to have somebody and I, and I think you're absolutely right and I think look we all have every writer has their their stable right I mean Rhea like you, you like every, when you finish a manuscript before it goes like you know you're a professional best selling author when when you before you even send it to your like your editor you know what I do editor. I hire Joe Tower is what you I hire do. Joe Tower I, I mean do. that's what I you mean, do first. I literally pay Joe to edit <laughs> my books and sometimes a couple of times like so I used to give it to I would share it with my writers group or I give it to beta readers who have been with me since the beginning they're amazing but what I've noticed is when you get a reader or someone who's familiar with their work they're not gonna be like they're reading it as a reader. They're yeah. not reading it as an editor. And there is a huge distinction between the two. So if you are in need of editing, you don't want to give it to a reader. You want to 100%. find an editor. And 120%. <laughs> I feel so like, yeah, Joe has been amazing. And like, no, I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it. And like, you don't have to pay me. And that exchange of value is very important to me. Like, I want... Yeah to pay him for his time and expertise. And I swear to God, he has helped. He has the best eye. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, I'm very picky about 
editing in general, you know, I, I like to edit my own work, of course. And then I've had some editors where I just don't, I don't agree. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. mesh well. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people's resistance around, do I need an editor is not only the amount of money. I actually think it's because you don't really want your work to change and you 100%. have to be willing oh my God. for your yeah. work to change. Uh, yeah. maybe like, completely drastically like I this just, is our biggest caveat at right way like be, yep. be open to change and i i think that you're a hundred percent hitting the hitting the nail on the head i think that's true and i think that you know i think that you bring up an excellent point with like the transactional nature because like yeah we all have we all have our circle we all have our beta readers we all have those eyes that we but like i'm telling you right now that i don't care how like harsh of a critic you think your spouse is no, they're just, or how, they're or not. how honest, like <laughs> they're still biased. Your, your, your friends, your colleagues are all still biased. Your writer's group is still biased. Like, and if you hire someone and you pay money to have someone look, assess and suggest changes for your work, you're, you're talking about an investment in you. Yes. That's an investment in your project. And I would also go as far to say, Rhea, I think you're 100% right. You're not open to change. But I would also say that if you're, if you're, and I know, you know, times are hard and money's tight. I get it. But I also would say that if you're not willing to like pony up the money for a professional editor to put eyes on your work, then you are, you are actually not confident in what you've got. Well, definitely. And I mean, it's, listen, it's a huge thing to be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pay someone to edit my work when you don't really know how they're going to respond to it. So yes, I think insecurity is, I mean, that's, that exists in every writer. Sure. Definite, you know, like maybe not wanting it to change, but I mean, you've got to take your own work seriously and, and you know that the result is that it's going to be better. And I mean, that's what we're all striving for with writing better books, with, you know, putting better material out there. And the thing that I love about the editing process the most is when you, Joe, or my editor will give me the editorial letter, there are these common like blanket things, especially if you're being published, that you should avoid or sometimes do that you can then translate into all of your other works. Like I remember mm. when I was writing my first book, you know, my editor was like, okay, so your character should never do like the following things. And it was just like little things like being kind of wishy-washy or whatever. She was like, if she's drinking a cup of coffee and contemplating, she needs to stare into her coffee cup and do X, Y, and Z. I mean, it was very, very, very specific. She gave me like the most amazing feedback on the tiniest little things that you never think of and that I Mm. never would have grasped if I hadn't had her eye on it. But now I can bring those into every single book. So I think when you hire an editor, you're learning and adapting and it's just a new skill. It's a skill set to have. You can learn from what your editor is seeing. You can apply it to future projects and future books. And, you know, the point for us, like, yes, we want people to hire us, but I'm really interested in, in creating self-sufficient writers in, you know, not necessarily self-editing, but really learning from someone that you're paying money to. So if I'm slapping money down for an editor, 
I don't want them to do all the work. I want to I want to look and understand and learn and get better with every book. So that's really what you're paying for. You're paying to get better at your craft. Well, and absolutely. And one of the things that, you know, again, like not to I mean, at right way, like, you know, we we both handle uh, we both work with, uh, you know, Rio primarily works with our, our nonfiction, developing and building nonfiction book proposals um, to pitch. And and then we work with I work with our the editorial arm of our our our, our fiction, um, the, our fiction department. And on, on both ends, what we're really trying to do, I mean, obviously, we no editor and this is probably getting into a little bit of a different discussion, but like no editor wants to make or no good editor wants to make your book something you don't want it to be. No. If you have an editor who's like literally rewriting chunks of your book or changing it into something else that you need to run for the hills. And that's, but that's like, why, but a change, yeah. but a change is necessary because like, of, I, of I don't think, I think we as writers forget that as we sit with a project, our view on it become narrows and narrows and narrows until we're really looking at it through like a peephole and we can't see the forest for the trees. And I think it takes another set of eyes to be like, maybe if we look at it this way and at right way, what we really do is we work with clients to make it to, to not only preserve the author intention to preserve the integrity, yes. but we find the intersection of that, uh, of, of that author intention with the book's potential marketability. And I think that's where, when, when we say, when we ask the question, do I need an editor? And the answer is yes. A really good editor is going to point your manuscript, is going to point your proposal in the direction of selling. Completely. Which is the thing that we are all gunning for in the first place. And I mean, something that every writer should do when when thinking about hiring someone, you need to ask for referrals, client referrals of people that they've worked with. Um, you know, something we do, we always offer to edit the first five pages of anyone's manuscript for free to just even see if our styles mesh, if you're in yeah. what type of edit you're in need of, what you're really doing. So, uh, you know, that really matters, like getting those client referrals, doing your due diligence. Don't just throw money at someone and then like, OK, fingers crossed, like. Hope this works out. <laughs> you need to. And, and, and honestly, I, you know, I think that's a good point as well. And I think, you know, for anybody out there who's in the market, I do think that client referrals for an editor, for editors, is your best way of understanding what their capability is. Totally. And I would also say the same thing about, you know, I know that it's not something we talk about often, but I would say the same thing about ghostwriters. And, and Rhea, I think this like kind of leads to our second question, which is like the question that we always get, which is... Why does this cost so much? Yeah. Um, and I think people, I think when we quote them, and I will say, to, correct me if I'm wrong, but we really, we, we do come in under market. We come in uh, yeah. very affordably. <laughs> but but yeah. I think that, I think a question we always get is, why does this cost so much? And editing and ghostwriting in particular, um, and it's hard to verify, like, like yes, of do course. your due diligence, get your, get your, get your referrals, but but I think it's because you need to do that because it's hard to justify. It's I think for the client, it's hard to justify how much it costs. Okay, so we had we had an example of this. So we had an example of a client who had or a potential client who'd hired 
they wanted to hire us to proofread something for like $1,500 or whatever. So we get into this. I get into this and I'm like, oh my God, like this needs a true deep developmental edit. This is not ready for proofreading. This is not ready for copy editing. This is just not ready. I gave it to Joe. He did his magic on it and we sent it back. And the woman who had been hired to ghostwrite this was very offended, first of all, about us challenging her work and it not being ready um, for her client's publication. But it ended up, long story short, like, the publisher completely agreed with us on this and was asking like if they could hire us for developmental editing. And, and I remember this ghostwriter saying like, it's my job to stroke the ego of my client and tell them that they're the best. And to, I don't know, she just, she went down this whole rabbit hole of like, I just got to get the sale done. I've just got to make the sale. Which is completely, which is what Rhea and I were both just like, no. What? We actually have had people come to us. We just had another person recently who um, was working on, she's working on an amazing project um, for her family. So not even really interested in getting it published, but wants to hire a ghostwriter. And Joe and I were talking about it. And again, we come way under market value. Like a ghostwriter can be anywhere from 40,000 to $60,000. Um, sure. You can find those ghostwriters out there who are like, I'll do it for 10,000, but there's usually a reason for that. But as we, <laughs> as we dug into just the, the bones of this and, and what she really wanted it for, we were actually trying to talk her out of spending that type of money for just a personal project. Like we're not yeah. in this. We we say no all the time. I've said that before, but but again, that exchange, you have to feel good about it. I've also had clients that are super nervous about spending five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, and I always say gently do not do this right now. This needs to be, yeah. you need to feel great about we, it and trust the process. We want what's best for the project Absolutely. also. But I, but I think then, I think this does like, you know, going back to this question of like, why does this cost so much? Like, I do think that a lot of, you know, we always say this, like fiction writers by and large, uh, and it might differ from the reasons that people pursue a nonfiction book proposal might be different than the reasons people are pursuing a, a fiction manuscript developmental edit. Right. And we'll talk about what those terms mean in, in, in a second or two. But I think people, I think in particular fiction writers, we, we laugh about this all the time. And I know I felt this way in my youth. Uh, I know that I've, I've felt this way before, like working a full-time job and working on writing on the side and the idea of spending $2,500, dollars $7,500 on an editor seemed insane. And so I, I think it's worthwhile to justify, like, you know, when you're talking about, a, like, a ghostwriter charging forty dollars to $60,000, when you're talking about a fiction editor charging five dollars to $7,500, mm-hmm. when you're tra- talking about a book proposal being ten dollars to $15,000, you really need to sit down and consider the time yes. and diligence and effort that's going into these projects. I mean, oh, when we do, 100%. when we do, imp- like, you know, I want you to, like, let's definitely talk about, like, the nonfiction proposals, but, like, when I when, when when we set up a um a fiction project with a new client, we we set a timeline for no no less than six weeks. Yeah, no less. 
And this is no less than six weeks of full-time, fully devoted work Can each week. Can I just uh, cut in here? Because Joe, so Joe handles the fiction side of things. And let me tell you, like, so yeah, we we get a contract together for six weeks. So say it's a $5,000 edit or it's a $7,500 edit. And again, we can kind of get into what those entail but he, yes, goes away for six weeks, does the work. Our clients have total visibility with what we're doing and how we're editing. But then when he presents it to the client, they then go away sometimes for six weeks, sometimes for six months to apply those edits. Then they come back to us and we usually do another read and offer them you know, suggestions or pitch them to agents. So the entire process can be over well over half a year. So when you take that 5,000, the 7,500, whatever, I mean, and you do that math, it's, it's not great. (laughs) Well, and, 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 you know, let's, let's apply that, that, that sort of same microscope. Like when Rhea, when, when you sign up to work with Rhea on a nonfiction book proposal, she is literally with you lockstep daily building this proposal piece by piece with you. And when you think about how much it costs on the whole, the time that you actually get from her, it it actually ends up working in the client's favor. Always. In uh, yeah. In in my opinion. I mean always like hundred like, percent. So yeah. I, I give weekly calls um as well, like throughout the duration of the project. So I too have parameters on our contract. So a book proposal again, sixty to a hundred pages, usually more in the hundred page range. I try to get them done within four to six weeks. We can do it much less than that, which I actually prefer. I love turning a proposal around in two weeks and just like, boom, hammering it out, going deep. But some clients really need to nurture their project. They need to sit with it. They need to process. But so not only do we talk every day, we're going through that entire book proposal together. We are then editing it on our end, proofreading it, sometimes designing it coming up with your pitch list for agents, pitching you. And then that right there can take six months. I mean, it can take six months until someone says yes. Um, I recently had a client who finally got a yes. I mean, we worked on something last year. I've had several clients where sometimes they hit it out of the park, get an agent within two weeks, awesome. And then sometimes it does take long, but I am still there. I'm still available for all the questions. I'm still available to pitch and I don't get paid for that. I don't get any sort of I made it, I was adamantly clear. I never want a percentage of a client. And we don't take a percentage. No. We don't take a percentage. If they get That's a the deal, day. good for them. Like, I know how authors are robbed of their- Do you know how many ghost, do you know how many ghost writers out there who may not be worth the money they charge you, who also- oh, they get royalties. Ask for yeah. a cut of, yeah, yeah, ask for a percentage. No, right. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I know how tough it is to make a dollar as a writer. Yeah. I just want my- I, it is a success for me, not only if the client gets picked up, of course, sure, but it's more about walking away with clarity on their book, with knowledge about how to do this for themselves, for any other subsequent book that they have. They don't need to, it's a one-time investment. One time, I'm giving you the tools and the keys and you can go do that yourself. Um, well, in that perspective, I think watching, you know, when we've watched, we've watched clients in both of our departments, we've watched proposals change. Oh, they always mid, change. Mid, mid yes. process. Yep. We've, we, we watch, we watch novel manuscripts completely change direction. 
Um, one of the things we always guarantee is a rewrite. And I think like, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that we, we feel good about our clients walking away with that, with that new, new perspective on their process and on their work, seeing what it was, seeing what it became, seeing what it could be. Yeah. I think that that's, that's the important thing. I, I also think this kind of leads us into our last question. But I, but I think it's, it's connected to the second question, obviously. You know, we're talking about, like, why, does this, why do these services cost what they cost? And I, and, and I think, like, the next kind of question that we always get is, like, okay, and this doesn't go for anybody because I do think Rightway is very unique. But if, if I did hire an editor or mm-hmm. if I do hire an editor or if I hire you, what does that process look like? And basically, and you know, this will step a little bit outside of the, the proposal uh, process, Rhea, just for a second. But I think with editorial, like if you have a manuscript and you're getting, you're hiring and you know, you're, you, you purchase an editorial service, there's, there's a lot of price points that you, you're going to get for various different services. And I think you need to be, you, you need to understand and be very specific about what kind of service that you want. Um, totally. Because it, it works all the way up the scale. Like <clears throat> in strictly editorial from the bottom, you have like, you know, what would be considered like what a, ba- a basic proofread, right? And you might have a proofreader that uh, charges, you know what, Rhea, we, we hire proofreaders that like maybe charge by the page. They can yep. charge by the word. Yeah, it's usually. Uh, some can yeah. charge by the hour. Exactly. Yeah, that, like, it, like it just depends on how long the manuscript is. But a proofread is just a basic, um, uh, a, a, like it is, it's exactly what the name implies. It's they're literally just reading the manuscript for grammar, spelling, um, maybe some syntax, but like just the nuts and bolts, making sure that it's grammatically yeah. correct. You know, we have um, a, we have a proofreader that we use. She's amazing, but she'll actually go not for any more money, but she'll go a step beyond and kind of look for those like issues or if something isn't consistent or you need to address this, like she'll actually go beyond a proofreader's you know, tasks, um, quote unquote, to, to really make sure that the author is getting a full service and not just, which is shocking, right? Because that, that's, and, and we will, we should include maybe her, um, her, her service contact just in case anybody want to hire her for proofreading because she is incredible, but that's a big jump right there. And I think in between like what Rhea's talking about is getting into like developmental editing, which between proofread and developmental, uh, you might have style and format. So that's that's an editor that is not only going through for grammar, punctuation, et cetera, but it's also going through and making sure that uh, things are clear, that things are narratively clear. Um, might have a suggestion as uh, particular like style corrections that might might work better. Then we get into the developmental ed- edit, which is sort of like the top of the heap. And that's really kind of like for our fiction department, what is our like bread and butter is we really go through and look at the book as a whole. We we not only do the developmental edit includes the proofread, includes the style and format, but it also is about looking at the book as a whole, looking at the author in, intention, but also looking at its potential marketability and trying to decide what the best route forward for it is. And for stuff like that, like we said, it's 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 very involved, but that's, you know, that's that that six-week, two-month process where someone is really sitting with your book for a long time and really trying to figure out what the best way forward is. And, and you know, I think this goes back kind of to the first question um, 
And this is where it gets tricky. When you hire an editor for a developmental edit, which is, you know, what Joe just kind of went into and explained, and they're really sitting with the book and they're they're kind of dissecting it and pulling apart and looking at it like a puzzle, you know, you could give it to five editors and they're going to say five different things. So yeah. that is something to keep in mind. I think the cool thing about a developmental edit is it's really the editor, yes, can fix things here and there, but it's really about suggestions and feedback and and observations. And no matter what kind of editor you get, when you're reading through those notes or if it's in track changes or whatever, it's always sparks something for the writer. Mm -hmm. And that is like, it can be very daunting for the writer because if you hire someone for a developmental edit, they find all kinds of things that you should maybe shuffle around or suggest suggestions. Then it again, falls onto the writer's shoulders to go back, pick the manuscript apart, you know, sit with it. I mean, I just had to do this with my fourth book. I was really, my edits were due and it's the first time I've ever asked for an extension, but my head just wasn't in it. I wasn't ready to return to the edits, which actually weren't that in depth, but I was just, mm-hmm. I needed a moment. I needed like some time away from it. And when I finally sat down, I, you know, I kind of went through it. And then again, I hired Joe to go through it one more time, <laughs> like right before I turned it in, because I was like, oh God, I didn't spend enough time with this. But but again, having his eyes on it, having the, that those feedback, uh, that feedback and those suggestions, it just, to me, that's the type of editing that makes all the difference. It's the only type of editing that's going to push you to be a better writer, not just hiring, okay, I'll, pay, I'll pay, spend $2,500 on a copy edit or $1,500 on a proofread. That's great. But like, you already need to have the bones of the book, like polished, and ready to go before you ever move to a copy edit or proofread. Developmental editing always needs to come first. A hundred percent. And I and I think this is this brings up a good point too. And I think this is something that we could we we could cover for on, on a future episode. Is you know there there will there will be red flags, and this is why we say like if you are in the market for an editor or some editorial um, or an editorial service, like do your due diligence not only get those those client referrals but like you know uh, it, you know unfortunately like re- i don't know if we're in the minority or not uh agency wise um but we we do offer like Rhea said we do offer like those first 5 to 10 10 pages free we offer 5 pages free of editing so you can see how we work that's also like a good indicator you might want to look at that and so maybe for a future episode we'll talk about red flags to look for sure. when, when you are reviewing, when you are vetting, vetting editors, because yeah, Rhea is exactly right. Those, the, the right editor, the right developmental editor in particular is like, that's the bones. That's what you need. Um, is gonna, is gonna spark, is gonna spark something is gonna not, is not going to try to correct you, right. but is going to try to challenge you exactly. in some way to take it in a new direction. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, again, yeah. you can kind of, so talk through, like, if I'm a client, I'm coming to you, what does that process <clears throat> look like? So I'm coming to you. I have totally. a finished manuscript. I want, I probably want a developmental edit with some copy editing or proofreading included. What is our process for engaging? 
process for engaging. So like, in, like typical onboarding, we, you know, we, we would take those, um, we, we take a sample first of all, because we want to make sure that we, we as much want to make sure that we're a good fit for you as you are for us. And, um, so we look at those first five pages, we do a, a, a light, uh, style and, uh, copy edit on those first five pages, have you take a look, see how we work, see, you know, the kind of, um, uh, the kind of process, like get, just getting a hint of the process. Um, if you do, you, you decide to engage, you want a developmental edit. We sit down for a call. We talk thoroughly about the manuscript. And one of the things at Right Way that we, we really, really insist on, I think it's very important to keep in mind that editorial author relationship is a collaborative process. Yes. Like, and, you know, we've talked about this before. Even even when you get down to the kind of science of proofreading, the way manuals of styles sort of like work with each other and against each other now, stuff is commingling. Like everything is very fluid. Everything is very, 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 very subjective. So it, it kind of tries this fine line between uh, subjectivity and objectivity. Um, so it's very important for us that the client, the, the author client knows that what's going to happen is a collaboration where changes will be suggested um and it's going to be up to the author client the onus is going to be on them to um employ whatever changes they deem worthwhile for sure. the for the manuscript yeah so we sit down and have that conversation um, I, we're right ways interested in full transparency. So, uh, we opened the manuscript itself in a full on shareable Google doc that the, uh, author client has access to. And for six weeks, uh, we plot away, we go through and we do a full style format developmental edit. Um, we make in, uh, in text suggested changes. We make uh, lengthy, lengthy margin notes, um, we we take about six weeks, and at the end of six weeks, um, we put together what's called an editorial letter, which is a truly comprehensive, element-by-element, component-by-component review of the manuscript, what is working, what is not, what needs to change, what doesn't, what is the path towards um, pitching, selling, marketability. Um, we cover all all of that. Like we really, like I, I do really think like in both our nonfiction proposals, like, and our fiction manuscript, we're very, very thorough in those, in those regards. And we give, uh, we give the author client some time to process that. And then we come back for a final call, sort of debriefing call. We talk about the path forward, what that might be. It might be some, some light changes. It might be anything from like some light changes uh, you know, we've worked with clients who are on the path to publish already. So it might be just some like light narrative shift, maybe like a, an experiment point of view. And it might be, we've also had like, uh, an, uh, like full overhauls, full, full rewrites. And like Rhea said before, we have clients that go away for four five, six months, do a rewrite. And then uh, we come back, we do a full proofread on the rewrite. Um, and if it, if it looks good and we're all sort of satisfied with that, um, prospect, the one thing that right way does that I just think really proves our full service end to end, um, uh, like business model badassery is it, our, 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 our virtual <laughs> market kidding. badassery is we put together a list, uh, of agents of potential agents that would work for your manuscript. Um, genre wise, tone wise, style wise, 
and we help you put together a query letter and then we fucking pitch for you. Yep. On your behalf and we get real-time feedback from agents um, and that's something that really nobody else is doing. Um, and speaking of things that nobody else is doing, you know, I, I think dually, Rhea, why don't you uh, talk yeah. a little bit about what the nonfiction book proposal right. process is, so, which is equally as, as, or more so involved. It's, it's a little bit different. I mean, I, I love, I, they are so, they're so different, but yeah, they, they share some similarities, but if you're wanting to write a nonfiction book, again, I'm going to hammer this point home. You do not write the book first. You create the nonfiction book proposal. And again, this is something you can Google and you can find all kinds of different, you know, like ideas on how to do this. And, you know, I've seen book proposals that are three pages. I've seen book proposals that are seven pages, 10 pages. Sometimes they sell, but I have found in my experience that the more comprehensive, that doesn't mean long, but just the more you do your due diligence and cover all angles, the better. So that's my spiel about that. But if somebody is interested <laughs> in writing a nonfiction book, we set up a free 30 minute, which usually ends up being an hour if I'm being honest, um, phone call or Zoom chat. And we go over everything um, about your idea, its marketability, your author platform, um, what your goals are. And I always ask actually before that phone call, we have a nonfiction intake form on our site that I ask you fill out before we talk. So I just can get an idea if this is something that's sellable, who you are, I can kind of poke around and do my due diligence just as an agent would or just as a publisher would. So when we mm -hmm. come to the table to talk, we're not shooting the shit. We're actually like getting to the nuts and bolts of, of what you're wanting to create here. And more importantly, why? Like we really dig into your why. And then from mm -hmm. there, if someone decides to engage, I send them a recap email. I always send client referrals. I don't want anyone paying me before they talk to other clients, clients in different stages too. clients who've landed agents, clients who've had book deals, clients who are in the middle of doing a book proposal with me. I, I like people to talk to people in all different stages just to kind of see what's what. Um, mm -hmm. From there, we I give them a, a, a contract. They review that. And then I go through kind of this kickoff email where I go through week by week what it will look like engaging and working together. We schedule our kickoff calls every Tuesday. And on our first kickoff call, I send, before that, I send this templated, um, is that a word, templated <laughs> book proposal? It should be. It should I, be. I like it. Um, yeah. A book proposal template that has been, you know, stylized for their specific book proposal. I also have margin notes comments. I use real examples from real book proposals that I've worked on. So people can get a, a sense of tone, voice, style, formatting, questions to ask, what to be thinking about. And then we kick off our call. And every week we have one area of the book proposal to tackle. Sometimes we're tackling that together. Sometimes a client will go and do, let's say the overview, and then I will tackle audience and competitive titles. Then we come together on our call, we go through everything, and we keep doing this week over week until the book proposal is in what I call like a first draft stage. I then go back and edit. I do have our proofreader go through it. 
my husband will design if, if, you know, book proposals need any kind of design or branding that already matches or mimics your brand, then I compose the agent list or publisher list. There are some publishers that don't require agents that we pitch to. And then I send them off for my clients in batches of five. And again, it's a lot of waiting. It's a lot of, you know, getting feedback and kind of tweaking if we need to tweak. And we just keep on with that process until we hopefully get a yes. Um, So as you can see, it's kind of like this long, laborious process. But I, too, am very transparent. We're doing things together in Google Docs. I mean, I have clients. I need to set boundaries, I'm sure. But I have clients texting. We hop on extra phone calls. We're always emailing. We're in the document. And it's, it's intensive. And what I'm trying to do in refining this process, we're going to be launching six-figure book proposals, a digital course that takes all of this material that we work one-on-one with our clients. It's going to distill it down into a two-week course to create Brilliant. and pitch your book proposal. And the reason why what I've realized is you know, I give my clients, we work six weeks. Uh, that's minimum. It usually goes longer than that, if I'm being honest. And I've realized that I, we each have one week to do our specific task. But a lot of times that client doesn't work on it during the week. Then they sit down the day before we meet and they hammer it out. They hammer out their section in like an hour. And so I think with condensing it down to two weeks, you're really building upon that momentum and consistency. And I, I just want to like, cap this off by saying whether you're hiring an editor for fiction, whether you're hiring someone to help with your nonfiction idea, you have to be willing to do the work. This is not, Mm -hmm. we're not doing this for you. This is, and I am so, 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 so passionate about that and empowering writers to recognize, to improve, to become, you know, pitchable, sellable, whatever they want. Um, we aren't the people to come and be like, yeah, just write this for me and do it. We like to challenge our writers and push them to actually be writers. And the cool thing about nonfiction, a lot of authors aren't writers. They're not, they, they run businesses, they're CEOs, they're executives. So to get their voice on the page and to see them kind of, you know, figure out how to say what they've never said before on the page is so unbelievably clarifying for their business, for their brand. I've said this before too, but you know, your book proposal, the cool thing about that is it's also a content strategy. So this content that we're working on, it extends to webinars, podcasts, digital courses. You have a whole marketing plan and roadmap. I mean, you can use it for so much more than just your book. And that is where the value comes in, I think, is that it's something that you can use far beyond just trying to pitch your book. So, well, legitimately and th- th- this these these details you guys is exactly why are exactly why costs <laughs> is exactly why these, these details, details are, are exactly why. <laughs> yeah, uh let's, let's scratch that as an editor. Hey, hey, Rhea, I edit text oh my not words, not voice, amazing. okay? <laughs> no um these details are Yes. These details are, yeah. These details <laughs> are exactly why <laughs> this shit is worth it and why it takes so much time and why it costs what it costs. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, if you're interested, please 
don't hesitate to, at the very least, familiarize yourself. Browse um, some, uh, you know, other editorial and consulting agencies, some companies, but also like do go to rightwayco.com, W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Newsletter. Check it out. Sign up for our newsletter. And 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 check in, check in with us if you have questions, obviously. But uh, do sign up for the newsletter but and uh, keep tuning into this podcast, definitely. where we are giving you this content free every fucking week. Absolutely, and because we are not really on social media for our company, the email, the newsletter, is where we are going to be sharing. All of our exclusive updates, deals, you know, our digital course. I'm so excited about this course. And anyone who wants to write a nonfiction book, we are literally giving you the keys to the kingdom for such a fraction of the price of that one-on-one cost. But you're still getting one-to-one interaction with live Q&As. So it's going to be amazing. We're going to be launching it at the top of 2021, and I don't want anyone to miss it. So rightwayco.com, sign up for that newsletter. goes out once a week. I promise it's full of fun things and not shitty things like so many emails <laughs> that we have. We swear. We swear. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks. Thanks.